This is Dr. Carissa Hines of Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Information without understanding is not very helpful. Talk with the doctor and feel like you're talking to a friend. Wow, Ty, do you have a cold? Uh, no, man, I just suffer from allergies. Good morning, good morning, good morning. You are listening live to your favorite health and and wellness radio show, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. I am your willing and capable host, Dr. Carissa. Good morning. I hope you all are doing well today. Well, as you know from our song intro, we are going to be talking today about allergies. Uh, as the pollen, I don't know uh, where you're listening from, but here in Atlanta, we are, the pollen season is starting so I say the pollening is happening. But anyway, as we uh, get started here, as we usually do, let's start with our shout outs. Shout outs to my number one fan. Hello, mom. I hope that you are having a fantabulous morning this morning. Shout out to family in Norfolk, Virginia, Virginia Beach, Virginia, Houston, Texas, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, Charlotte, North Carolina, Ladson, South Carolina, Macon, Georgia, Pensacola, Florida, Center, Alabama, Chesapeake, Virginia, Seattle, Washington, Washington, D.C. Centerville, Virginia, Columbia, South Carolina, Phoenix, Arizona, San Antonio, Texas, Fayetteville, North Carolina, Greenwood, Mississippi, Belize City, Belize, Baltimore, Maryland, Las Vegas, Nevada, Memphis, Tennessee, Columbus, Georgia, Hampton, Virginia, Gadsden, Alabama, Woodbridge, Virginia, Oxford, North Carolina, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Hobbs, New Mexico, College Park, Georgia, Cedar Bluff, Alabama, Temecula, California, Newport News, Virginia, Lusby, Maryland, and Opelika, Alabama. Alabama. As always, if you shout out where you are listening from, I will shout you out the next at our next show. So please tell me where you are listening from. You can uh, hit me up on our Facebook page and let me know where you are located. You can listen to us live. As I said, we are broadcasting from our studios, uh, WWE Real 1100 AM here in Atlanta. Uh, you can stream this show on www.real1100.com. And you can watch us on our Facebook page live. We are Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, and we are live right now. You can catch the rebroadcast. Uh, as I said, this show um, broadcasts on our Facebook Live, and the video will be posted uh, for some time. So if you can't catch us live today, you are welcome to watch anytime you like. You can also find us on YouTube, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. We are a proud part of the Old Fashioned Health Network and also a part of the 22.3 Takeover Vegas radio family. This show broadcasts every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on a WWE Real 1100 AM, but also on every Sunday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time uh, on 22.3 Takeover Vegas Radio. Please follow us on social media. On Facebook, we are Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. On Instagram, at Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. And on Twitter, at Minutes Doctor. 
Uh, as I told you all last week, this show, thanks to your support, has uh, won an award. I don't know which award it is yet. I'll find out uh, in April. Uh, but the 22.3 Takeover Vegas Radio is presenting their third annual Radio Awards. And we have been nominated for several awards and have won at least one, as is what I'm being told. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart for your support in that endeavor. Alrighty, in our COVID news today, so worldwide, we are at 437.3 million cases, which has resulted in 5.9 million deaths, uh, which is, of course, unfortunate. And we um, extend our condolences and love uh, to all of those who have been affected by this disease. But I am happy to report that looking at the numbers from last week to this week, we have not had an increase in deaths, although we've had an increase in cases. And that is encouraging. Uh, according to to um, the World Health Organization, 10.6 billion vaccine doses have been administered. So that's a little small uptick from last week. Uh, in the United States, we are at 78.3 million cases of COVID, uh, resulting in 943.3 thousand deaths and 537.6 million vaccine doses have been administered. In your you need to know news, there is a new COVID variant. Surprise, surprise. Uh, this is called BA.2. It is a subtype and it is been, being called the stealth COVID variant uh, because it is being difficult to detect. Uh, from what we know so far, uh, the vaccination, if you've been vaccinated and had your booster, you are protected uh, from this subtype, um, although the protection is not 100%. So, of course, uh, there can still be uh, breakthrough infections, uh, but we are not seeing an uptick in num the number of deaths. We're not seeing an uptick in the number of hospitalizations as a result of this variant. So, of course, until we are in an endemic as opposed to a pandemic, uh, we want to continue to mask up, wash your hands, and social distance as is appropriate. March is Brain Injury Awareness Month as well as Hemophilia Awareness Month, and there are a couple other awareness months um, that are happening in March. And so if you uh, trick on over to our Facebook page, you'll see uh, some infographics about uh, brain injury awareness and what that looks like, as well as hemophilia awareness. And as the weeks go by, we are going to um, put up infographics about these awareness months um, so that you can be aware. How about that? All righty. In our last You Need to Know news for the week, the CDC has issued new guidance on mask wearing. And I know this changes all the time and it may change again. And so we're going to just have to work with it. Right. So, as you know, um, many countries as well as many states here in the United States are relaxing their masking guidelines uh, for going out in public. Uh, and because of um, the numbers, and this is what the CDC has been tracking, and this is what they base their recommendations upon, the numbers, um, we are seeing that more than 70% of the United States population uh, is in a location with a low to medium COVID-19 community level. 
And because we're at that low to medium level, the CDC has decided to relax some of the masking guidelines. So here we go. If your community, so of course this is community by community, so you're going to have to go to cdc.gov and find your community to figure out where your community falls uh, in that risk assessment. Um, and the risk assessments are low, medium, and high. Um, and so of course, if you are um, in a low area, right, so you aren't having like new cases, a lot of new cases um, of COVID-19, um, you know, you should just get get tested uh, if you have symptoms, but stay up to date with your vaccines and so on and so forth. Uh, at medium levels, if your community is at medium uh, a medium level of COVID at this point, um, if you are at high risk for severe illness, you want to talk with your health care provider about whether you need to wear a mask. And as a health care provider, I'm going to tell you, yeah, you do. Um, and you, of course, you want to stay up to date with your vaccines. Get vaccinated if you are not vaccinated. Get boosted if you have not already been boosted. Uh, and of course, get tested if you have symptoms. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we put out that the United States government was sending to every household in the United States for free FRE. EE free uh, for COVID tests. And our, our household received ours um, a couple weeks ago. You know, fortunately, we haven't had to use them, but it's good to have them there, right? And so, of course, if your community is at high risk, um, you, of course, you still want to uh, wear your mask indoors in public. You want to stay up to date or get up to date with your vaccinations to get tested if you have symptoms. And of course, if you are at high risk for severe, severe illness, there may be other precautions that you want to take. So what I will do is post all of this on our Facebook page um, just to keep you um, up to date as to um, you know how to find out what your community numbers are looking like and what you should do like what resources uh, you may take um, to figure out where you are and what you should do with the mask guidelines so now I will tell you about these masking guidelines if this is what they are today that's fine uh, but if things change in terms of uh, you know, a number of new cases, a uh, number of hospitalizations, number of deaths, then that masking guideline is going to change again. So just be ready if that is what, what it is going to be. Alrighty, we are going to take a brief break. This segment has been brought to you by Freeman Moore Medical Associates, your premier disability consultant service. If you are in need of disability services, find them on the web at www.freemanmoremedical.com. You are listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. I am your host, Dr. Carissa, and we'll be right back after a break. At Just for Pets Wellness Center, our expert veterinary team provides personal, professional, and compassionate services to your beloved pets. You can rely on us for pet wellness exams, medical care and treatments, dentistry, and surgical care. We provide a clean, safe, and caring environment for dogs, cats, and pocket pets with exceptional care, always the standard. We're doggone good and the cat's meow. Visit our website for more information at www.just4petsfl.vet or give us a call at 239-270-5721. Hi there, healthy people. Do you have a healthy product or service? 
If you are a certified medical professional, fitness trainer, author, or chef, Old Fashioned Health would love to promote your services or product on the Old Fashioned Health radio show. Please reach out to us. Call 404-793-3960 or email us at oldfashionedhealth at gmail.com. You can also contact us at oldfashionedhealth.com. Old Fashioned Health, good health inside and out. What's the matter now? No, I got this. My ears are filling up. I got this sinus condition. It's the change in temperature. I always get it from air conditioning. Maybe it'll go away. No, it's all part of my allergies. I get them in the summer. Only in the summer? And in the winter, too. I get them all year long. Allergic to foods. And pillows and curtains and perfumes. Can you imagine that? Allergic to perfumes? I used to drive Frances crazy. For a while, she couldn't wear anything except my aftershave lotion. I was impossible to live with. <laughs> that is from the the odd couple. Uh, that is um, that was hilarious uh, in talking about allergies. But this is what you know. It's it's in in jest in that movie. But this is something that people are living with um, every day. So let's get into it. Let's talk about allergies and and what that means and what we can do about it. So. In a nutshell, an allergic reaction is a response to is a response of our immune system um, to something that it perceives as foreign, right? So it's kind of the same thing like when you um, get a cold and there's a virus or bacteria, your body reacts to that and responds to that. Um, and so you have the agent, the foreign agent, which we call the antigen, uh, and then uh, so a couple examples of antigens. Bacterias like staph or strep, um, viruses like COVID, uh, dust, pollen, uh, latex, certain foods, um, food colorings, just about anything can be an antigen, um, especially when you're talking about um, an allergic response. So the body creates a response to this antigen, which is called an antibody right so you have an antigen which is the bad guy and an antibody which is the good guy right and so you can think of your antibodies like soldiers defending your body right so you get to have your own personal army right that is almost inexhaustible uh, and free because you got it when you were born so that's a good thing you don't have to pay anything for it right so your antibodies goal is to destroy the antigen, however it can do that. So some antibodies, excuse me, some antibodies will um, break an antigen apart. It will break it into pieces and destroy it that way. Um, some mechanisms require uh, the antibody to engulf or completely surround um, the antigen, thus rendering it inactive and eventually the antigen will die. Um, and then there are some processes where the antibody can actually dissolve uh, the antigen because of some enzyme or, or something like that that can just kind of melt it away. So in allergy, the antibody that we speak of most is called IgG or immunoglobulin 
E, excuse me, IgE, immunoglobulin E. It is made in the plasma cells, uh, and they, the IgE is a receptor, so kind of like an antenna that sits on the cell. And whenever an antigen or a foreign particle uh, reacts with this receptor, it causes a change uh, in the mast cell and triggers that mast cell to release antihistamine. A lot of it. So before we get any more into the, the science of all of that, <clears throat> excuse me, let's talk about the nomenclature, right? So, um, you know, a lot of the times there is a, a common misnomer of allergies. Um, when I ask people, are you allergic to, to any medicine? Or people tell me, oh, I can't take that medicine because I have allergies. And what sometimes people are telling me that they have allergies, they're referring to seasonal allergies. So uh, like, you know, pollens or dusts or pet dander, those kind of things trigger an allergic response uh, in their in their bodies. Um, but when we are asking about allergies, we mostly are talking about medication allergies. Um, and that triggers an allergic reaction that is a little bit different. So when we talk about seasonal allergies, these terms can be somewhat interchangeable. Um, we can talk about hay fever. Uh, we can talk about allergic rhinitis. We can talk about seasonal allergies. And those terms tend to be um, somewhat interchangeable there, right? So let's clear up, you know, when we talk about allergies versus an allergic reaction, right? So an, an allergy or an allergic reaction, we talk about um, a reaction to a drug or to bee stings or to certain foods. Uh, and you get either a rash or itching, lip swelling, tongue swelling, throat swelling, which can be very dangerous. Um, you can get hives on your skin as a result of that reaction. Um, you can have wheezing or difficulty breathing, which as you can imagine, can become very dangerous. Uh, nausea and vomiting, chest tightness, or the most severe type of allergic reaction is called anaphylaxis, which is life-threatening. Um, and so, you know, you see that that some people will, um, for example, um, people that are allergic to bee stings or wasp stings, um, you know, and they get this very, very exaggerated um, allergic reaction that is life-threatening. Versus when we talk about um, an environmental allergy, like a seasonal allergy or rhinitis, um, we talk about a reaction to pollens, dust, animal dander, whatever, right? And those symptoms usually look like someone has red eyes, they may be sneezing, they'll have a runny nose, they may cough, they'll have watery eyes. Those are the most common symptoms that we see. Um, but um, least common, but still significant, uh, people can have nosebleeds as a result of environmental allergies. Um, and it's because they are, you know, rubbing their nose or picking their nose, let's be honest, that happens, um, or blowing their nose so frequently and so forcefully um, that it disturbs the blood vessels inside the mucosa in the nose. And next thing you know, you've got a, a nosebleed. Uh, you can have headaches due to the sinus congestion or sinus congestion in and of itself. Um, you can have the under eye lines um, 
and and I've seen kids we see this more so um, they have a little crease across their nose um, called an allergy crease and again it is because of the constant rubbing um, of their nose uh, you can also and they do this what we call in an allergy salute and so that's when someone will take their hand and rub their nose constantly you know trying to uh, trying to get that runny nose under control um, you also can have um, fatigue um, because particularly if uh, the allergy symptom is happening at night, people are up all night long, uh, you know, tossing and turning. They're not breathing very well because of the congestion. So they're not really able to rest. And so they're extremely tired uh, in the morning. And you can also have um, dry and chapped lips because if you can't breathe through your nose, you breathe through your mouth and all of that air will, will dry out. Uh, the mucosa of your mouth, your lips, and the inside of your mouth and your tongue as well uh, can become can become dry. So why does this happen? Short answer, we don't really, really know why some people have um, these types of reactions and some people don't, right? Because not everybody um, is allergic to pollen or grass or hay or trees or pet dander uh, you know it's, it's a very very individualized experience but basically what it is you know your immune system what I was telling you about before about the antigen and the antibody and, and all of that um, your immune system overreacts to something that it perceives as dangerous but it isn't really dangerous at all because you know pollen isn't going to kill you right um, it is not like you know like like something something else that would kill you right um you know dust relatively harmless um just in and of itself until you start having these reactions of course um and so then it triggers this this overexpression of the immune system um massive massive releases of histamine um that lead up to you know all of the swelling and the congestion and watery nose and all of this stuff so you really your immune system is just kind of doing the most in in the face of, of a little dust par particle um, now what we do know is that there is a family history um, of allergy um, reactions like this and so usually people that either have a family history um, of of these types of allergies or people that have asthma uh, tend to also have um, reactions to dust and pollens and so on and so forth um, there we do see those strong uh, relationships there um, there are four different types of allergic reaction uh, so you have your immediate reaction where the symptoms uh, will appear within seconds or to minutes uh, you can have what's called a cytotoxic reaction uh, where the reaction appears in minutes up to hours um, there. And uh, usually you see these along with um, autoimmune diseases. Uh, you have an immune complex mediated where the symptoms uh, will appear within several hours. And then you can have a delayed hypersensitivity uh, allergic reaction where the symptoms can occur within days. So, you know, speaking of the uh, delayed hypersensitivity, so if you are ever treated for an allergic reaction um, with, you know, by a physician, uh, healthcare provider, 
um, usually we will give you a course that lasts over several days. So we'll give you not just medication for right then and there, but medication that will last over several days. And the reason that we do that is because of this delayed hypersensitivity. So sometimes we can dampen down the allergic response um, but then when the medication wears off, that allergic response can flare up again. And so we want to extend the time that we are damping down that allergic response to give it a chance to peter out, if you will. Um, and so that way you don't have that delayed hypersensitivity uh, response because that delayed hypersensitivity response can be even more exaggerated and more expressive um, than the original allergic response. And, you know, when we are, we're always uh, thinking about anaphylaxis when we are talking about and thinking about allergic reactions, um, because again, those are extremely, extremely dangerous. So how does an allergic reaction happen? Again, allergies begin in the immune system. It is an immune system issue. Um, and again, material is harmless for the most part, just in and of itself, right? Um, pollens or dust or certain foods. Um, and then the allergen enters the body most of the time via the nose or the mouth, right? Um, and then the immune system is triggered and then it, it asks cells to respond uh, and respond they do. So now, what cells are involved in an allergic reaction? So there are three cells that are mediated uh, within your immune system. Uh, you have your eosinophils, your mast cells, and your basophils. So now, if you've ever had blood work drawn and you have your um, CBC or your complete blood count, which tells you about your white blood cells, your hemoglobin, hematocrit, and platelets. If you've ever looked at the report, you'll see a whole list of different types of, of cells with numbers um, beside them. And what they are doing um, in that report, that's called a differential, and differential meaning that there are different types of, of cell types uh, that we need to see and you know that may give us clues as to what's going on. So now all of these three cells are white blood, are types of white blood cells. Um, and so you will see eosinophils and usually it will be uh, indicated by EOS in your differential report. Uh, and so you will, you will see how many of your white blood cells are of this particular type. Uh, in your report there. So 5% of your circulating white blood cells are eosinophils. Um, these cells can also be found in your lymph node and in your bone marrow. Um, and they function to stop infections mostly, but do play a role in allergy as well. Um, and the role they play in allergy is to boost inflammation. So whenever there is a perceived attack by an antigen, um, one of the responses is for all of the cells to go to wherever that antigen is and try to destroy the antigen, right? So sometimes they will cause a lot of swelling so that way that antigen can't move anywhere else. And so that is where you get, um, you will have that if you get a bee sting, you see a lot of, you know, instantaneous swelling at that area or mosquito bite, instantaneous swelling at that area. 
um, if you are injured in some way, it, the response is somewhat the same. You will see swelling um, at that area, and your eosinophils are a part of a part of that reaction and how that happens in your body. So, you know, if you see swelling after after a bee sting or a mosquito bite, you have your eosinophils uh, to to thank for that in part. Uh, the next cell that is, is a part of your white blood cell that's involved in allergy are your mast cells. Now, these are the major players in this because if you remember all the way back to the beginning of our talk, I told you that mast cells contain histamine, right? And after things are triggered, um, the mast cell will release, the IgE will tell the mast cell to release massive amounts of histamine. And, um, and so that one mast cell doesn't hold all of the histamine, but it will trigger all of the mast cells uh, that are available to release histamine. And so you get a flood of histamine happening in your body at that time. Now, mast cells are not circulating in your blood. They are located in your tissues. And guess what tissues uh, contain the mast cells? tissues in your respiratory tracts or in your nose and in your GI tract in your mouth and all the way all the way down and through so you know as these cells and it makes sense that they would be there um, because most things enter either through our nose or through our mouth and so if there is a particle of some sort be it dust be it virus be it bacteria uh, you want the cells to be at the location of you know at the entry point right so that you can try and stop them before they go further down into the body and cause any damage um, so that is why, you know, you've got your soldiers kind of lined up on the front line there, right? So um, these cells, like I said, re will encounter the allergen. The IgE will trigger the mast cell to release the histamine. And the histamine is responsible for swelling, itching, and sneezing. And so once you encounter pollen, for example... Uh, you will immediately start sneezing. And that is how quickly this reaction happens, thanks to your mast cells, uh, that, you know, you start having that, having that reaction. Now, so since histamine is the major player in your allergy, that is why the medications are called antihistamines, uh, because they want to counteract the histamine and counteract all of that activity that histamine is responsible for. But we'll get into that too. Your basophils are about 1% of your circulation WB, uh, white blood cells. Excuse me, I said WBC, so I'm like I, I flipped and wasn't at work for a minute. Um, they are less than 1%. They are the least common of uh, all of the blood cells that are in your body. Uh, and they produce histamine as well and as well as serotonin, right? And so what they do, what the serotonin does it amps up that inflammation response. So it's like in the background, hyping up histamine, you know, go histamine, go histamine. That is what your serotonin is doing, right? So you already have an exaggerated release of histamine. And then you have the hype man in the background boosting what histamine does for you. So that is why if you encounter pollen, all it can be all of a sudden that you are congested and your eyes are running your nose is running you're sneezing you're coughing your throat is irritated 
All of these things happen because of the tag team of histamine and serotonin. So now, how do you find out what you are allergic to? We are going to take a brief break. And when we come back, we will discover how you find out what you're allergic to and how do we tackle the pollening. You are listening live to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, your favorite health and wellness radio show. I am your willing host, Dr. Carissa, and we will be right back after a brief break. Are your pet's vaccinations up to date? Just for Pets Wellness Center can help keep your pets protected from fleas, ticks, heartworms, and other nasty bugs with the latest parasite detection and prevention programs available. We offer parasite screening and prevention to the most advanced topical and chewable medications. Using our online pharmacy is affordable, safe, convenient, and provides home delivery. Visit our website for more information at www.justthenumber4petsfl.vet or give us a call at 239-270-5721. Be sure to listen to The Wellness Enclave with Dr. Donna Sewell, a podcast that explores emotional health and its impact on everyday life. In The Enclave, we will address emotional health and how it is connected to other parts of your life, such as physical health, relationships, spirituality, and even decision-making. The Wellness Enclave with Dr. Sewell can be found on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hey, I think you might have a pollen allergy. Not since I... And we are back once again, another funny clip of sneezing. And so, you know, here is here's one one little thing that's that's not funny, haha, but I guess kind of peculiar. So before, you know, when springtime comes, uh, you know, because most people associate seasonal allergies with spring. Um, but of course, they can happen at any point in time. And people would sneeze and you would say, oh, you know, they probably have allergies, right? They're allergic to pollen. But now if people sneeze, you're kind of looking at them funny and sliding over to the side and, and getting away uh, from them. So it's funny how uh, how COVID has changed, how we perceive just regular common stuff, right? So now, as I said, on the other side of the break, how do you find out what you are allergic to? Now, of course, there is the possibility that you just will not know. Um, but here we go. So there's trial and error, right? So you have an exposure and then you have a response. So now, um, you know, that's how most people find out. So, for example, if you are allergic to a certain food, so I'll share, I'm allergic to pineapple. I wasn't always allergic to pineapple. And that's another little funny little thing about allergies that they can come up at any time. And they can happen to things that you previously took and did not have a response to. Uh, so with our uh, with our immune system, the first exposure is kind of like priming the pump, right? So you will not have necessarily the massive uh, allergy response. But then that second exposure or third exposure is when it really, um, you know, really kicks off because that first exposure was for your body to learn and remember. And then 
subsequent exposures, your body will react to to what it knows. And so, you know, like I said, and I, I, I love pineapple. I love the smell of it and that kind of thing. But it's just not worth the it's not worth what happens to me um, um, to do that. So now so that's the exposure type. Right. So you eat something uh, or, you know, you may wear a perfume or, you know, back in the day and you know again I'm dating myself when you would buy cheap jewelry and you'll put it on your neck and then all of a sudden your neck is turning green yeah um that is the exposure type the trial and error so you know you don't know what you are allergic to until you become exposed to it and have a reaction and so in the case of environmental allergies it is hard to know because if you step outside and you start sneezing and coughing and runny nose and that kind of thing, what what were you breathing in? Who, who knows, right? You would not know that um, necessarily uh, from, from that type of exposure. So, and you know, it could be pollen, but what kind of pollen? Because everything that flowers has pollen and not all pollens are the same. So, like I said, most people associate allergies with springtime, which is understandable because most things are in bloom during the spring, right? So, you know, all of the flowers, all of the trees, all of this stuff is happening. It's very, very pretty and very, very sneezy, itchy and throat scratchy, right? But seasonal allergies can happen at any season. They can happen in the fall. Uh, they can even happen in winter because there are certain grasses that bloom, uh, you know, certain trees that bloom, grasses that bloom uh, all throughout the season. So you really could have a seasonal allergy to all four seasons, but to different things in those in those seasons. So, you know, the first way that we know outside of just the the trial and error, get exposed, have a reaction, um, you can have allergy testing done. And so, you know, there are different ways uh, to do allergy testing. You'll go to your allergist office um, and it's usually done there. And the reason that you usually have your allergy testing done at an allergist's office is because they are equipped to handle whatever reaction you may have from a mild reaction to a very, very severe reaction, that anaphylaxis. And I'm gonna say that a lot because I really want you all to, to kind of keep that always in the back of your mind. So there are some home kits available um, where you can test out certain allergens, certain common allergens. Um, however, I am a little bit leery of the home test because if you have that severe anaphylactic reaction, you are not at a hospital and it's gonna take some time for you to get there and maybe you don't have that kind of time um, because as I said, anaphylactic reactions are deadly. And so you need to have, you know, more than prompt, um, you know, more than prompt uh, medical intervention in those cases. But going back to the doctor's office, you can have a skin prick test where a very thin needle is introduced to the skin uh, and then you just watch for the reaction. So they may have, um, you know, strawberry, a strawberry concentrate or bee pollen or, you know, pet dander or whatever that they introduce under the skin and they see, do you have a reaction? So now you can imagine that there are tons and tons of things that they could test you with. Uh, and, you know, some people have gone to the allergist and, you know, you're pricked, you know, you get stuck with 20 different needles or 50 different needles if you're trying to figure out 
what your allergy, you know, what you are allergic to. Uh, then there's the intradermal skin test where the allergen is put just under the skin. So if you've ever had a TB or tuberculosis test and, you know, they just kind of lift the skin up a little bit and put that little bubble under your skin, that is what an intradermal uh, skin test looks like. And again, watching for the reaction. Uh, you can do a patch test, which is used for contact dermatitis. So that is the type of allergic reaction where something comes in contact with your skin and you react to it. Um, and whatever that patch was, ever, whatever's in that patch, they would put, um, would put in. So fun fact, I'm allergic to adhesive. Um, and so whenever an adhesive, like I can't do band-aids and that kind of thing. Now I have told you all that I'm diabetic and I wear a pump. So I wear something that has adhesive um, and I'm allergic to adhesive. So I have to, you know, take a Claritin every day and, and do all of that because I have had um, reactions uh, to my, to the adhesive in my pump. So I don't do band-aids and that kind of thing because all of that, um, all of that triggers uh, for me. So, you know, I'm having my own little patch test, uh, you know, every couple of days. Um, and then you can do a blood test. And so, again, um, you know, your IgE levels are measured because IgE is that measure of, of reactivity uh, to an allergen. Uh, and so, you know, you get an allergen that is introduced, however it is introduced, and then they measure how much IgE your body has uh, has generated as a result of that exposure. And then they have a challenge test, right? So for people who are, um, you know, who have severe allergies, um, but they're not sure what they were allergic to, um, you do that challenge test. And, you know, this has to happen under direct supervision of a physician because usually whatever you are allergic to, if you're getting a challenge test, you had a, a very severe or an anaphylactic reaction to it. And so, of course, um, you know, you want to, um, after you ingest that allergen, you want to have someone who knows what, how to help you if you get into trouble um, there because the risk of the challenge test is anaphylaxis. Um, and so, you know, as I have said, and I'm gonna say again, anaphylaxis is deadly. So you definitely want to avoid that. So now what do you do if you have an allergy? So you want to minimize exposure to the allergen. If at all possible, you just want to avoid it. So, you know, I just don't eat pineapple. And luckily, I live a lifestyle that doesn't require me to eat pineapple. So, you know, that's not a, it's a minor, it's a minor thing, right? Um, if you can avoid it, if you cannot avoid your allergen, then you want to do medications. And so when we talk about your daily allergen medications, allergy medications, excuse me, um, you are, we're mostly talking about antihistamines because histamine is the mediator of that allergic response, right? So you want to block the effect of histamine. Benadryl is the most common antihistamine. It's available over the counter and in different forms and pill and liquid. Um, but drowsiness is a side effect um, of Benadryl. So, you know, you can't take a Benadryl and drive a car, or operate machinery or anything like that. At least you shouldn't. Uh, so we have the non-drowsy antihistamines, and you commonly know uh, these. Uh, loratadine, which is commonly known as Claritin. Uh, fexafenidine, which is commonly known as Allegra. Hydroxazine, commonly known as Vistaril or Atorex. And uh, Levocetirazine, 
which is known as Zizol. So I'm sure you have seen commercials for all of these things. Uh, there is also olopatadine or patinase, which is a nasal spray for people who don't do well with pills. Um, and the nasal spray uh, is designed to act a little bit quicker uh, than you're, you know, waiting for your body to break it down and, and all of the, you know, all of the um, stuff that has to happen when you ingest a medication. You also have your mast cell stabilizers. So, you know, one way to prevent histamine is to block the release of it, right? So you can counter the effects with your antihistamine, but you can prevent it from even being released in the first place. Um, and so you have chromalin is the medication for that, also known as nasal chrom, and it is a nasal spray um, that you use. Now, when should you start taking these drugs? So depending upon your allergy profile, you may have to take allergy medication year round, because as I said, you can be um, allergic to different things in different seasons. And so, um, but in the case of a seasonal allergy, so if you know that springtime is your trigger time, you want to start your daily uh, allergy medication at least two to four weeks um, before your allergy season begins. So once you start to see, you know, the yellow, I have a black car. And so once my car is covered with yellow, it's too late for me to start the medication to prevent at that point I'm treating um, and I'm treating allergy. So, you know, right around about now might be a good time for those of you who are triggered in the springtime, might be a good time to just go ahead and start your daily, um, your daily regimen. Uh, and you also can uh, talk with your primary care provider um, about that. You know, what medication is best or, you know, when you should start and that kind of thing. Uh, allergy shots are, are also um, a thing. Uh, you also want to, uh, if you have allergies, and particularly if you have severe reactions, uh, you want to have a medical alert card or a bracelet. Because if ever you're in a situation where you cannot speak for yourself, we will look, for, look at your bracelet and see, oh, this person can't have XYZ. Um, so that is a great way to communicate with the world, um, you know, what you have an allergy um, against. Uh, for those who are at risk for anaphylaxis or who have had uh, severe reactions, have had anaphylaxis, you want to carry your EpiPen, which is epinephrine, uh, and, and, and use that because that is the first line of treatment for anaphylaxis in addition to all of the other things um, that we do. Now, I'm going to take just one last minute to talk about your decongestants because I said one of the effects of uh, histamine is all of the swelling, so all of the sinus congestion and such that you get, right? So a lot of times when we have these reactions, we'll want to go and get an over-the-counter decongestant. And the most common uh, decongestant that we use is pseudoephedrine, also known as Sudafed, right? Because you can buy it over-the-counter. Nowadays, you got to show your license and, you know, hair sample and all of that kind of stuff to get it, but you can still just get it over the counter. Um, and so, you know, the second one is uh, chlorpheniramine, also known as chlorotrimeton, also available over the counter, but that one is actually an antihistamine. Um, and so that one is in most of your sinus preparations now, um, but the Sudafed is separate. The Sudafed used to be a part of, um, a part of a lot of the medications. So how you know if you have a decongestant in your medication that you will have the medication name and then a D at the end of it. So for example, Claritin D, Allegra D, 
has the decongestant, it has the antihistamine, and it has the decongestant. And usually that D is Sudafed. You want to be careful with Sudafed. So how it works to decongest, it causes blood vessels to constrict. So that way all of that swelling goes away and it opens up the passageway, right? But it doesn't just constrict the blood vessels in your nose. It constricts them everywhere. So it can raise your blood pressure. That's one of the dangerous things, one of the dangerous side effects. So now, if you are someone that has normal blood pressure, that's probably not going to be a problem for you. However, if you are someone like 40% of all Americans that have high blood pressure, it may raise your blood pressure to levels that may cause you to have a heart attack or a stroke. So that is why we tell people, I tell people that have high blood pressure, you cannot, I cannot give you Sudafed because I don't want anything bad to happen to you. So, you know, you want to be, be careful with that. So if you have high blood pressure or any kind of pressure condition, pulmonary hypertension, anything like that, you've had a stroke before, had heart attack, um, and you are having allergy issues, you want to talk to your pharmacist and say, hey, what can I take? Or talk to your primary care doctor, of course. Um, what can I take to help with that? Because you definitely should be one of those ones that is starting your antihistamine therapy uh, two to four weeks ahead of time. So that way you just don't have to deal with congestion and potentially take something that could be harmful. All right, we are going to transition right into our vitamin C. The vitamin C today is about preparation since we're talking about getting ready for allergy season, right? So, you know, one of the things many, many, many years ago, um, I attended this seminar and I heard the speaker and he said something that I had been living by, but, you know, it was packaged so neatly that I kind of latched onto, onto the, the saying. And, you know, what it was, was living up by the five P's in life. What are the five P's? The five P's are prior preparation prevents poor performance. That is a little bit of a tongue twister. Um, but, and see, that's like, isn't that really cool? Uh, anyway, maybe I'm just nerdy that way. But prior prevention prevents poor performance. So whatever it is that you want to do, you must prepare um, ahead of time in order to perform well. And that applies, and I teach my daughter this as well, that applies across all aspects of your life. So whether you are preparing for a test or preparing for a performance, um, preparing ahead of time is definitely the way to go. And as it pertains to allergy season, preparing before your allergy season hits will definitely be helpful to you. You see how I wrote that all in? I'm a genius, I tell you. So prior preparation prevents poor performance. Or as my grandmother used to tell me, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. And I'm going to end it on that. Thank you all so much for joining me for my favorite hour of the week. I hope you all have enjoyed it too. So until we meet again next week, God willing, be good to yourself. Be good to each other. Take care. This is Dr. Carissa. Thanks for joining me this week on Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Join me next week for more comfortable yet in-depth conversation. Have a great week.